0: A warning to listeners, this episode contains strong language
1: and graphic violence.
2: This is 74 Seconds. I'm Tracy Mumford. This afternoon, the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension released the dash cam footage from Officer Geronimo Yanez's police cruiser, the night of July 6, 2016. It was released along with the BCA's 2,000-page investigation, which includes the interview Yanez gave the day after the shooting. Now, we've seen Diamond Reynolds' Facebook Live video from the front seat of Philando Castile's white Oldsmobile. But the only video that shows what happened during the shooting, not just after, is this dashcam footage. And this is the first time we've seen and heard those 74 seconds outside of the courtroom. The 74 seconds between the moment when Giannis flashed his lights to the time he fired the last of seven shots. Previously, all we've had is a transcript of this, but to watch it and to listen to it is entirely different. The full tape is just over 10 minutes long. If you want to watch it for yourself online, you can find it on our Twitter feed at 74 NPR, or online at 74Seconds.org. It's airing on a lot of news shows around the country tonight. It's probably already shown up on your Facebook feed. We're going to walk you through this tape with a law enforcement expert. But first, we think it's important that you have the chance to hear the full 74 seconds of the traffic stop in their entirety unedited. So we're going to start there. Please know that this is graphic and difficult to listen to. We're going to play the actual moment of the shooting once and only once. So if you don't want to hear it, you can skip ahead two minutes from now. But here it is, the dash cam footage from officer Janis's cruiser. The timestamp in the corner reads July 6, 2016. 21 hours, 4 minutes, 48 seconds. The audio starts when he turns on his lights.
0: Up the reason that's put George, your brake lights are out. So you only have one activated, active brake light, and that's going to be your passenger side one, your third brake light, which is up here on top, and on this one back here, it's going to be out. You have your license insurance.
1: Okay.
2: Firearm okay. Don't reach guess, for it, I'm, then. I'll, I'll, Don't pull, I'm, it I'm pull it out. No. Don't pull it out. 74 seconds. Seven shots. Five of those shots hit Philando Castile, two in his heart. His wounds were not survivable. During the trial, the prosecution played this dashcam footage for the jury multiple times. The jury even asked to see it again during deliberations. The defense, on the other hand, never played the video when presenting their case. Yanez's defense attorney, Tom Kelly, told us what he thinks people should watch for when they see it now that it's public.
1: Well, from my perspective, you should um, think of the, from the viewpoint of the officer and reacting to the actions of the driver um, who becomes non-compliant with the rather loud and direct commands of the officer. You'll also see that the officer physically tried to restrain the driver which has not been a fact that has been mentioned much and reaches in with his left arm to try to push the uh, Mr. Castile's hand away from the gun, so it's obvious that he seizes the gun and reacts to it. It's a limited perspective because it's a video shot from the squad car, which doesn't show the perspective of the officer leaning into the window, so mm-hmm. it's limited in that regard. But you will see and hear actions on the part of the Officer Ynez that I think the jury found justified his... Use of force here.
2: We also asked Michael Quinn to come in and watch the dash cam footage with us. Um, my name is Michael
3: W. Quinn. I'm a retired Minneapolis police sergeant and training officer with Minneapolis.
2: You might remember Quinn. He watched the tape of one of Yana's earlier traffic stops and broke it down with us back in episode two. And today, he sat down with our reporter, Reham Fashir, and they watched the dashcam footage of the night of the shooting several times. He walked us through it from the beginning. The dashcam tape gives us a view out of Yanez's squad car windshield. He's on a four-lane road, Larpender Avenue. It's still light out, even at 9 p.m. It's summer, remember. Yanez is about four car lengths behind a white Oldsmobile.
3: So the squad's behind a car with a brake light that's not working. Uh, it's typically uh, a good time to stop a car because if they're unaware of the brake light being out, you're doing them a service by saying, you know, your, your brake light's out you need to get it fixed. So that part all looks good.
2: Yanez's lights go on. Castile pulls right over after that. Yanez gets out of his car and walks up to the driver's side window of the white Oldsmobile.
3: So it's a routine traffic stop at this point, based on what he's going to be saying. Tail lights out, and he immediately steps up into the window. So clearly he's not feeling threatened. If he was feeling threatened in any way, he'd be standing back a little bit behind the door talking to them through the window, which I know makes some people uncomfortable and gives a sense that you don't trust the driver. But when you have a sense that there's something wrong, that's what you do. You stand back a little bit. Well, sir.
0: Good. Good. Uh, reason I put you over to your brake lights are out. So you only have one activated, active brake light, and that's going to be your passenger side one, your third brake light, which is up here on top, and then on this one back here, it's going to be out. you have your license insurance?
3: Okay, so he's asked him for his license and insurance. He seems fairly comfortable standing there, but he is right in the window.
1: Sir, I have to
0: tell you, I do have a okay. firearm okay. Don't reach for it I'm, then.
2: There are only five seconds left before Yanez starts shooting, but we aren't going to play that moment for you again. We're going to talk more with Quinn about what he sees on this tape. At this point, Quinn started explaining the Cooper color code. It assigns different colors to different levels of alertness. It's all about being aware of your surroundings. And it's an assessment tool that can be used in police training. Quinn said that the colors and levels can vary from training to training, but as he taught it, it starts with the green zone, which is probably where you or I spend most of our time walking down the street, looking at our phones.
3: No worries, no cares. You're kind of unaware of what's going on around you, and you really don't care an officer can't operate at that level, though. He's got to be constantly aware of his surroundings, what's happening. And we call that used to call it, maybe they still do, the yellow zone. So you're going from green to yellow, and you're aware of what's going on around you. You're trying to keep track of your partner, people on the street, people driving, violations, all of that stuff. It's, it's not a hypervigilance, but being very vigilant to what's going on.
2: Quinn puts Yana's at yellow as he is approaching Castile and asking for his information. The next level up from that, as Quinn taught it, is red. And that level of alertness happens during an event of some kind, when something has happened.
3: Let's say you're on a traffic stop, you get up there and he says, I've I've got a gun on me, I have a firearm on me. Now we're in the red zone because now not only we are we aware. We've been aware and watching him. We're, we're careful. But now we know there's a potential threat, and, we, uh, and he's already told us what the threat is, so it's very clear to us what it is. When that happens, you should take appropriate action to deal with it.
2: Quinn described that appropriate action for us, what he would have taught one of his cadets to do when they reached the red zone in this situation.
3: A reasonable officer at that point would step back out of the line of fire, Get away from the car and start giving him commands where he could see Castile from behind as best he could, but he could at least see his hands and start giving him commands to get your hands where I can see him until, we're, until we can sort this out. And then he would tell his partner at the same time, the driver says he has a firearm. Now you can start asking questions. You're still, Your level of awareness has jumped way up. You've got your gun out. You're ready to do whatever is necessary. But you're not shooting because there hasn't been any threat to you.
2: But Quinn said he didn't see Yanez go from the yellow zone to the red zone.
3: When he gives him that information that there's a firearm in the car on him, Yanez, rather than going to that next level of awareness, which says, "Okay, in that case, I need to do ABC goes completely by there and goes into what we call a black zone, where you, you don't function. Your brain just kind of stops working.
2: On the stand during cross-examination, the prosecution asked Yanez if he heard Castile say, I'm not pulling it out, after he told Yanez he had a firearm. Yanez said, by that point, I was focused on his hands. I was getting tunnel vision. Quinn says that in the five seconds between the word firearm and Yanez starting to shoot, Yanez starts to shut down.
3: So this is where I think Yanez goes into that black zone. He heard the words about the gun, and his first response is, don't pull it out. But rather than giving him commands, let me see your hands, keep your hands up where I can see them, until we can sort this out. And stepping back out of the way, he does just the opposite. He steps up in front of the window, draws his gun, starts shooting. If this was a training scenario, and I ran the or supervised the Minneapolis Police Academy for four years, we trained about 350 cops during that time, and I was in charge of the deadly force training and in charge of the officer survival training. If I had set this up as a training scenario with exactly what happened here, we wouldn't use real weapons, of course, but with exactly those comments, with him saying, I'm not, and he had acted this way, that would have been an absolute fail on that scenario.
2: The difficult thing about videos, though, is that everyone sees something different when they watch it, especially a video like this where there's so much that we can't see, like the inside of the car or Philando Castile's hands. Remember, the video camera is on the dashboard of Geronimo Giannis' squad car. The microphone is on his body. And in addition to talking with Quinn, we talked with Emmanuel Kapelson about this video. He's a use of force expert from Pennsylvania who testified for the defense during Yannis's trial. And what he sees in the video, he says, is reasonable behavior.
4: In fact, he, he probably waited longer than he perhaps should have in order to be able to defend himself. He, didn't fire until he saw the gun, and at that point he has three-tenths of a second if someone was going to try to shoot him. Not that Mr. Castile was, but the officer doesn't know that, of course.
2: Kapelson said it's speculation to imagine what could have happened if Yanez had behaved differently.
4: There are lots of other ways things that could have been done. Uh, someone might say, well, if the officer had just told Mr. Castile to put his hands on the wheel uh, and keep them there. This wouldn't have happened. Well, the officer said, "Don't reach for it. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out." So, um, whether whether it would have gone differently if the officer had said instead of that, "Put your hands on the wheel," we won't know. It's it's speculation on anyone's part. In the bottom, in the final analysis, officers aren't required to be perfect. If we if we required police officers to be perfect we'd have very few people who could meet that test to be a police officer.
2: After Yana's shoots Castile, he stands at the window of the Oldsmobile. His legs are spread in a shooting stance. He keeps his gun trained on Castile while swearing and issuing commands to Diamond Reynolds, Philando Castile's girlfriend, in the front seat. Don't pull it Out! Just three seconds after the shooting, the back passenger door swings open, and it stays open for 13 seconds. It's not clear what's happening there or who's doing what, and then you see her. Don't move. Don't move, baby. Get the baby oh, Diamond's four-year-old daughter has climbed out of her own car seat and opened the back door. She steps onto the sidewalk and Officer Joseph Kauser, Geronimo Yanez's partner, scoops her up. We didn't know this detail until the video was played in court that the four year old girl got herself out of the car right after the shooting. May I just keep my hands away now? Fuck. Quinn told us that he believes during this, Yanez is still operating in that black zone.
3: And you saw that, that continued from the time he shot multiple rounds until several minutes after it when he's still standing there cursing, swearing, totally paralyzed, unable to function. He was totally dysfunctional for a long period of time. So instead of getting the victim out of the car and starting CPR or for any sort of first aid, he's, he's lost, and he, he doesn't know what to do. And I'm sure he's had the training on what to do because he's been on the street for a while and he's had good training, as far as I know. But he doesn't do it.
2: Yanis doesn't move from his stance or lower his gun for almost another three and a half minutes. Not until more officers arrive and tell him repeatedly, I'm going to take your spot.
0: Park. I'm gonna take your spot. I'm gonna take your spot. Listen, listen. I'm gonna take your spot, buddy. Listen. I got your spot,
4: okay? I got him. I got him. I got him, I got him here. Got him? I got him. I got him. I got him, buddy. I got him here. Hello. Oh. Just... Okay. Yeah. All right. him. You're right? You're, 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 right.
0: you're, hit. you're not in
2: any area. Oh, God. Oh, in!
0: Fuck hey. back here.
2: Giannis finally walks away, and at that point, those officers open the front driver's side door of the car. They struggle to get Philander Castile out, but they finally pull him by his arms down to the ground where they administer CPR. Yanez is still breathing deeply at this point. You can hear him. He's still swearing. He walks off camera with another officer. The last two minutes of tape are Yanez talking with Officer Tressa Sundy. Another unidentified officer comes into the conversation at the end, but Officer Sundy is asking Yanez about what happened. This is about six minutes after he pulled the trigger.
0: Are you to move okay. the wad up so they're not all still
2: the I'm fucked up right now. Okay. Maybe
0: mine or right. something? I need you to
2: just breathe. Okay. Breathe. Which direction did you fire your weapon?
0: Right at the driver. I had it right out. Okay. I had it pointed down. I don't know how many rounds I let out or anything. Okay. So you were... I just need to know which one's your car right here. Mine's the one that's pulling them over. Okay. So you pointed just directly ahead of just me? Just directly ahead. I had it at my waist. Was he sitting in the car? Was he, he was sitting in the car, seat belted. I told him, that's your license. And then he told me he has a firearm. I told him not to reach for it. And when he went down to grab, I told him not to reach for it. And then he kept it right there. And I told him to take his hands off of it. And then he, he had his grip a lot wider than a wallet okay. and I don't know where the gun was he didn't tell me where the fucking gun was okay. and then it was just getting hanky he gave she was just staring straight ahead and I was getting fucking nervous and then I told him I know I know fucking I told him to get his fucking hand off his gun okay okay is everybody is everybody Fuck. Is everybody in custody do we have everybody were there yeah. two there people in the car three people in the three car in the it was, was car. a female seat passenger, the little girl just in the back. Breathe i <laughs> dude. Okay. from having before. let's we'll okay. real quick. Listen. But okay. so breathe. I know you want to talk about it, but those those things we need to know. Yep. If there's any other suspects you said no. Yep. What direction did you fire your weapon? Yep. I had down the hip, I had a pointer okay. down. Into diagonal. Okay. Nope. So we're just bringing it on, on Into the the car. Yep. they're all around during are in the okay. car. good, okay. good work. And then there's no other outstanding suspect and nobody else is injured that you know of? Nobody else is injured that I know of. Okay. 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 Let's get you out of here, buddy.
2: That's how the tape ends. That's what the jury saw and heard. And after four and a half days of deliberation, they returned a not guilty verdict on the manslaughter and weapons charges that Yanez was facing.
3: I think... It's really difficult for a citizen to put themselves in the shoes of a reasonable officer at the scene of a scenario like this. And I underst- I think I understand why they came back with the not guilty after viewing the video. Not being police officers and not being put in that situation themselves, they don't have to do that. They can say, whoa, that would have scared me too. Because if he's reaching down and he's already said he's got a gun, I'd have a right to be afraid. A reasonable officer would, I think, would have acted differently. Or at least would have have given uh, Philando a chance to explain, to do something different other than what happened. Our society is going in this direction where it's not a matter anymore of shooting when you have to shoot using deadly force when you have to use deadly force. We're going in a direction where we're using deadly force because we say, I perceived a threat to my life of death or great bodily harm. We don't even have to articulate anymore what the threat was. And until we change that thinking back to this idea that you use it only when it's necessary, when all your other options are gone, until we get to that point, I think you're going to see more shootings like this. And that's a bad thing for society. That's bad for everyone. It's bad for the cops because nobody wants to go through what Yanez went through after this, in the aftermath. But the police officers and the training we're doing, is we've done it to ourselves.
2: The dashcam footage is only one piece of the evidence that was released today. It was watched more than half a million times on YouTube in the first few hours alone. And there's still 2,000 pages of documents to work through, like the interview Yana's gave the day after the shooting. We'll be back as we continue to explore these files and people's reactions to the case the one-year anniversary of Philando Castile's death is less than three weeks away. As always, you can find the latest news on Twitter at 74SecondsMPR or online at 74Seconds.org. 74 Seconds is reported by Reham Fashir and John Collins. It's produced by me, Tracy Mumford, and Hans Buto, and edited by Meg Martin. Special thanks to Tom Weber and Tom Cran for their interviews with Tom Kelly and Emmanuel Kapelson, respectively. Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson. 74 Seconds is a production of NPR News and American Public Media. This is Tracy from 74 Seconds, and we wanted to let you know that our colleagues at APM Reports just launched the new season of their award-winning podcast, In the Dark. In this second season, they explore a new story with life or death consequences. It's the case of four people who were killed in a small town in Mississippi, and the story of why a black man on death row has been tried six times for those murders. You can listen and subscribe to In the Dark on Apple Podcasts.